You're listening to Two Smart Assets with Chris Thompson and Danny Nichols. This is your source for passive investing and real estate syndications. It's time for us to gain knowledge and take action. So let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. This is the Two Smart Assets podcast. I am your host, Danny Nichols, here once again with my favorite co-host, Chris Thompson. What's up, Danny? It's good to see you, man. I'm glad to be here. Good to see you too. Got another great episode lined up. Tell the listeners what we're talking about today. Okay. So today we spoke with Josh Pliv. He's a great guy with vast knowledge when it comes to investing in real estate. Josh is clearly a driven person who has put in the work and effort into becoming an expert when it comes to assisting others in using their self-directed retirement accounts to invest in real estate syndications. Um, through his website, walltomain.com, he provides a ton of information for anybody looking to invest uh, with their self-directed retirement plan. His website is jammed full of great information that you have to check out if you're at all interested in using your self-directed retirement plan uh, for investing. You'd be hard-pressed to find a better source for all that information. Check it out, walltomain.com. I couldn't agree more. You know, there's a lot of great stuff on that website, but also in the episode that, you know, we're about to put out for our listeners. So uh, definitely excited to uh, share that with everybody. But first, just want to give a shout out to all our listeners. We really appreciate you tuning in. And if you haven't already, uh, please make sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and a written review. It really helps us grow the podcast, attract more guests, and ultimately provide better information for everyone listening. And if you're a passive investor or looking to get into passive investing, then head over to our website at twosmartassets.com. There you can grab our guide for passive investing in apartment syndications. This is just a great introduction into the world of passive investing in apartment syndications, so make sure to check that out. Also, grab our apartment syndication sample deal. This is going to help you get comfortable with looking at this type of investment, so when the real opportunities come your way, you'll be ready. And if you have any questions about what's in either of those resources, make sure to drop us a line anytime on our website's contact us page, or you can message us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. We're posting some great content on there, so make sure to follow us and start connecting. All right, now that we got that out of the way, let's jump into the show. Hey, everybody. Today's guest is Josh Plave. Josh is a multifamily syndicator who specializes in helping investors use their retirement funds to passively invest. Through his company, Wall Domain, Josh provides all the tips and tricks needed to invest quickly, safely, and inexpensively with an existing retirement account. Josh, it's great to see you, man. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Happy to, happy to have you here. Yeah, absolutely. We're very excited to be speaking with you today, for sure. You know, uh, when it comes to you know investing with self-directed retirement accounts, I know um, there can be some kind of confusion, a lot of unknowns, especially for for people brand new to this. So, you know, being able to learn uh, from someone with with your expertise is, I'd say, a real privilege. Privilege. So, really, thank you for coming on the show. Um, you know, with that being said, when we first got into syndication. We had no idea it was even possible to invest with a retirement account and these type of things. It was just it was just one of those things we didn't know. And you know, after we kind of immersed ourselves in this in this whole world, you know, you keep hearing it over and over again. Um, you know, invest with your retirement account. I'm like, oh man, that's crazy. I got to learn more about this. But 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 the real thing is, is you know, while we might have learned you know a basic understanding, there's still so much to learn, especially for somebody who's beginning. So basically we want to start there. So just kind of tell us how you got started with, uh, you know, real estate investing and all that. And then how you ultimately became so knowledgeable about, you know, these self-directed retirement accounts. Yeah, definitely. Um, so before I start, I think I, I just want to let everyone know if you think that retirement accounts are daunting and there's a lot to go on with them, 
to start, there can be. Um, but the process that we can run you through here where we explain everything, it keeps things simple. Once you, the, the nice thing I like to think about is once you have everything under your belt and you understand how it works, it's as simple as moving cash funds around. It's just, you got to learn a couple things to start with. So hopefully we cover those. Um, but once you are good to go, it's like getting your training wheels off and you're flying. So, um, about a little bit about me. Uh, I started with retirement accounts when I was 16. Uh, I opened up my first Roth IRA after I was a camp counselor. I thought, why not? I already paid taxes on this money. I might as well uh, invest and, and see how it goes. So I put a whopping thousand dollars in a Roth IRA and today it's worth, a, you know, like $3,000. Um, <laughs> yeah. I put more in since then, but that one investment was, uh, you know, uh, it went pretty well. So uh, from a young age, my, uh, my grandfather and my mother, who are both CPAs, they, uh, they instilled this kind of lesson of, you know, plan for the future, always look out for yourself in the future, don't just think about today. And, and that's a lot of what I've brought to Walter Maine is, is an emphasis on, hey, uh, if you are interested in multifamily, it's a great vehicle for your retirement account as well uh, to help grow it and multiply it into your future and help you take control of your future and, and, and build something for yourself. So um, fast forward about 10 years after I was 16, unfortunately, my grandfather and then a few years later, my mother passed away. And what that did was it left me with uh, the retirement accounts of a baby boomer and a greatest generation member. Uh, so I needed to find out how to properly manage these accounts. And I also uh, work with my sisters as well because they were in the same situation. Uh, and there are people out there like my sisters who my sisters are their teachers. Uh, they don't come from a business background. They don't have any uh, understanding of how to handle these accounts. So there are people out there who need kind of, uh, you know, the, the understanding of how to safely take people's. Uh, legacies that they've left you, uh, you know, your family members, um, what they worked for for their entire lives. I didn't want to just to put it, as I like to say, put it all on red uh, and spin it and hope that it uh, it lands. Uh, I needed to make sure that I first, you know, preserved capital, uh, but then also got into investments that were going to uh, strategically and stably grow their um, their legacy and and help generate uh, wealth for the future uh, for myself, but um, also for my ch my children and their grandchildren or their children. So um, yeah, that's kind of where I kind of started with it. I um, when I first found myself in that position, I knew I wanted to get into real estate, and so I kind of did a self taught curriculum. I spent a, a couple years. Um, figuring out where I wanted to go within real estate. Uh, you listen to every podcast, you go to the meetups, you listen to web, you, know, you do everything possible. Um, and the thing I noticed the most was that people kept on saying, okay, you want to scale up. You want to go from two units to four to eight to 16. You want to do that stack. Um, you know, you got to scale somehow, but uh, all, all of them kept saying someday I'd really like to get into syndication. I'd really like to get involved in larger scale multifamily properties. Um, so I started looking in that direction. It ended up being where I wanted to take things. And so I kind of dove straight into multifamily uh, to start with. Um, and I found that that was for many reasons, um, we can potentially talk about them, but those are, that, that was the asset class for me. That was the, the way I was going to take these, this, what has been left for me and my sisters and where we were going to deploy it and make sure that we were growing it for generations. Yeah, I think that's pretty powerful. You know, you've got you got a lot of stuff going on there, and then just the need for you know the knowledge and understanding, and really like you said that self education, basically like teaching yourself how to do this, the ins and outs, and all that, and then you know turning it into something very uh, powerful with your investing, as in multifamily. You know, we talk a lot about multifamily on the show. Uh, 
especially syndications. And we think, you know, it's a very powerful tool for, so for you to take, you know, that, that knowledge that you, that you learned about, you know, investing with retirement accounts or just retirement accounts in general and take that into multifamily, you know, we think that's fantastic and, you know, um, very, very powerful. So I kind of just want to dive into, uh, you know, these self-directed retirement accounts, you know, let's just, let's just say, for example, I'm brand new. I'm a brand new person to this. Don't know much about it. I have to say I have a 401k with an old employer um, sitting there. I need to do something with it. And I'm interested in what you're talking about. You know, uh, these self-directed retirement accounts. How should someone like me get started in this journey? Yeah. So the, to get the getting started point is understanding what you can do with it, where you can take it uh, and understanding the restrictions that come with it as well. There's a few. Um, So contrary Contrary to popular belief, you can pretty much invest in anything you'd like. There are three restrictions. There's um, collectibles like art, jewelry, or cars. You can't buy uh, life insurance with a retirement account, and you can't buy shares in S corporations. But outside of those three things, you can invest in anything that you think is a fair investment. So uh, whether it's multifamily like I do, I've passively, I'm sorry, I've, I've done some private money loans on fix and flip prop fix and flip properties. Um, that's a great method as well. I've even heard of people uh, buying racehorses and, and other oh, things. Wow. You can do Bitcoin, you can do uh, gold, really anything that you think is a good investment. So uh, kind of erase that preconceived notion that a lot of people have of, hey, I have to buy stocks and bonds and mutual funds with my retirement account. That's just what's held. That's what's restricted at the current custodian you have. So custodians uh, like Schwab, Vanguard, and TIAA, where most of our new retirement funds typically start off at, um, they're set up specifically to trade equities. You know, So uh, you're limited to what you can really do. But if you move it to a different custodian, they're actually... Um, they're set up to invest in pretty much anything. You can still invest in stocks at a lot of these custodians, but uh, you can invest in alternative asset classes. So you're good there. Um, you can kind of shift things into wherever you see fit, um, but there are a few things that you need to be aware of. So you mentioned uh, someone who might have money from a previous employer. That's perfect. Um, you need to have what I call control of the funds. Uh, if your money is currently held at a retirement account at a current employer, uh, a lot of the times you actually can't self-direct, unfortunately. Uh, Your current employer, the plan needs to allow for what's called an in-service rollover. And Mm -hmm. some employers do allow for it. Uh, Most don't. It's worth checking out, but um, it's something that you should be aware of. But if it's a previous employer or if it's an IRA or a Roth IRA that you set up yourself, you can totally take care, uh, take advantage of a self-directed account. so once you have control over it, um, there's a couple methods you can, you can go from there. So I like to, I strongly advocate uh, for checkbook control. Uh, so I, I spent quite a while trying to figure out what the right vehicle was uh, to move everything uh, over to. And as it turns out, there are, there's kind of two directions. There's custodial control, and that's, you know, you open it a new account pretty much at just a different custodian. And then there's checkbook control, which kind of adds a second layer to it. Um, but it actually ends up making it cheaper and faster and a lot more nimble as well. So um, what you do with checkbook control is you open up one of those custodian accounts, you put the money in that custodian. And then at the same time, the service provider that you've, ta- you've um, you know, told to, that you're going to work with, you end up, uh, they end up opening up an LLC for you. And at the same time as that LLC is being created, you end up uh, taking the money that's in the new custodian account and you invest 100% of the funds into that new LLC. 
And so what you do get from there is you essentially just, you have full control over it. You can open up a checking account. Um, you can wire funds immediately. Um, every new deal is only, you know, 25 or $35, whatever the wire fee is at that bank. Uh, I like to joke that you can find a deal at breakfast and fund it by lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty simple. It keeps it nice and nimble. Um, at a, if you leave it at a custodian, their, their schedule of fees is pretty, um, it's, it's long. It, it, it can be as, um, you have to, every time you interact with them, anytime you submit a new deal and they have to go through all the paperwork and everything, uh, it, that you get charged for it. So, um, I, personally, I have no, uh, you know, financial stake in this to say it. Um, I advocate for checkbook control just because once you understand what you can do with the account, it leaves it up to you and it makes it very simple for you to invest in um, transactions that are um, not prohibited by the IRS, which we can cover um, with people that uh, you, you can, you are approved to invest with and in, in vehicles or assets that, you know, you want to get started in. For sure. And, you know, I think check, you're talking about checkbook control. There's, there's a lot of good points to that. And, you know, you said it gives you a lot of more room to kind of maneuver on your own. Is there any sort of things with checkbook control versus the custodian, right? That you would say, uh, you know, for somebody maybe, you know, should look more custodian custodial control over checkbook control. Cause obviously, you know, the checkbook control gives you a lot of room to kind of do what you want when you want it. Uh, is there different scenarios where maybe somebody should do custodial over checkbook? Yeah, I would say there's a, there's a couple ways. Um, custodians, if you want to hold physical gold or physical assets, custodians are really good at that kind of thing. They have, um, you know, vaults, they've got keys to different, um, you know, places or cars or not cars, sorry, you can't do cars, but, uh, you know, they, they have a whole key room and they have file rooms and they've got places to store these things. Um, if you're doing a checking, uh, checkbook control account, you have to have control, you know, a place to store it yourself. Um, and you're not really allowed to hold on to it yourself. So, uh, the fact that they have a hands-off, uh, arms reach person taking care of it in a secure environment, that's great. Uh, if you don't care to really learn some of the simple rules that you can go through, if you just kind of want to figure it, let somebody else figure it out and find investments yourself and submit it and say, Hey, is this compliant? Um, and make sure that somebody is taking care of that for you. That's, that's a a route you want to take. But if you, if you want to take a, you know, 30 minutes, uh, 45 minutes to, to figure out what you can and can't do with it. I think uh, the checkbook account is, is great for most people. And I think you made a great uh, point earlier. You know, you can find a deal at breakfast and invest in it by lunch. And, you know, we found this to be true with that checkbook control. It's very, very powerful. And it makes it very, very easy. The one thing I would say uh, maybe for listeners, just to clarify is, you know, they're looking for something, you know, a custodian or some way to create one of these accounts. Can't, is it just simple, simply uh, as simple as saying, you know, we want checkbook control. And when you sign up with that custodian account, is it as simple as that? So no, it's it's not as simple as that. A lot of the times you have to go to a service provider who has an exclusive relationship with a specific custodian because you still need that custodian account. Uh, but the, most custodians don't advertise these services at all, at all because it's they don't make a lot of money off of it. it money doesn't stay with them. They have less control over it themselves. So um, it's not outwardly advertised, but they still want to do work with other providers in the industry. Um, so I, I personally have used a company called Safeguard Advisors for seven of my family's accounts. Um, um, they have an exclusive relationship with a custodian named Kingdom Trust. And so things. the nice thing is because they're exclusive, they only work with this one um, custodian, you can move things very quickly. Uh, they have a whole process. They've got a dedicated person on the team at the contact and paperwork moves very quickly. Uh, if everything's in cash, you can get things moving very fast. They, they say it takes two to four weeks. I've done it in, I think, six or seven business days. So wow. um, it, it can go very quickly if you keep on top of the paperwork and you're, you know, you're making sure that you're 
doing all the processes that they say and, and making sure you execute, you know, quickly. Yeah, that's a fantastic tip. I'm glad we, uh, that you uh, touched on that for sure. So I kind of want to jump back, you know, for people who aren't who are super not familiar with this, don't know anything about it. Let's talk about, you know, the different type of accounts that are associated with this. Cause you know, there's a few different options that you can actually, like, you know, move your money into. So let's talk about the different type of accounts and really how they're similar and how they're different from each other. Yeah. So, um, there's really two main types of accounts. There's the self-directed IRA and there's the solo 401k. Uh, and they generally operate once you have them opened, I'll say they operate fairly similarly. Um, I'll quickly touch on the solo 401k cause it's, it's pretty simple. And then we can get, kind of dive into what that the self-directed IRA does. Uh, the solo 401k, um, it, allows you to contribute a lot more to it. You have to be self-employed to open one of these. Uh, you can't have any full-time employees inside of your business or really um, full-time part-time employees, you know, people who are there all the time, but you're paying them as a 1099. Uh, so as long as it's just you or maybe you and your spouse or family member, uh, you're fine there. Um, so you can contribute a lot more to it. You can contribute up to I think it's $56,000 as an individual. If you're over, uh, you know, uh, if you need catch up contributions, it can go up to 63,000. Uh, so it's pretty powerful in terms of how much money you can stuff into that account and you can roll over existing IRAs, uh, 401ks and stuff like that. Unfortunately, you can't move a Roth IRA or an inherited IRA over to a solo 401k. So there's a few small restrictions on rollovers there. Um, and there, the, it, they're really the only two restrictions, but if you need to remember that, um, there's, I have some resources on my site to kind of guide you through that. But, um, as far as a solo 401k goes, it's like a, another 401k. You can take loans from it. Um, you have to pay them back eventually, but uh, it's pretty, um, it's, it's pretty simple the way it operates. Um, it doesn't incur any taxes and we'll touch on taxes in a bit. Uh, but even when you're investing in leveraged assets like multifamily, you actually don't incur any taxes. So it's a great vehicle. It's, I, I consider it to be the holy grail of, of self-directed investing. If you can open one up, it's great. Um, if you don't have self-employed income or you have a Roth account or inherited account, you're going to have to opt for a self-directed IRA. So a self-directed IRA is, like I just mentioned, um, you can do it as a custodian account, you can do it as a checkbook account, um, but it, it has these the same options uh, as a solo 401k and what you can invest in. Uh, it's just limited in a few ways. So you can only, a lot of us know IRAs, the self-directed is no different. It, the contributions are the same. Uh, it's pretty, pretty much just a, a name. So it, you can contribute $6,000 to your IRA. Uh, you can contribute $6,000 to your self-directed IRA. It's, it's the exact same thing. So, um, but unfortunately you do run into some issues with taxes. Uh, I'll touch on those in a bit. Um, but before I do, both of these accounts uh, have a few restrictions that I kind of want to cover. Perfect. So there's two, the, the, I'll cover the restrictions on what you can invest in first. Uh, so you can invest in anything you want as long as you're not, um, you're not, uh, you know, directly involved in the investment. I like to think of the investment like it's another, or sorry, the retirement account, like it's another person. So what I mean by this is you can't gain any direct benefit from the retirement account and the retirement account cannot gain any direct benefit from you. So if you buy a rental property with your retirement account, um, you can't stay in that. Uh, you can't rent it from your retirement account. Even if you're, if it's for free, you can't get an Airbnb property and then let's say stay in it uh, as a vacation, um, uh, for, even if it's for free. Uh, so any time that you're benefiting from your retirement account, that's what's called a prohibited transaction. Uh, and it goes in reverse. So uh, let's say you invest in a property that you want to flip. 
unfortunately, you can't actually go into that property yourself and then um, swing a hammer. You can't take, you know, you can't actually provide what's called sweat equity. Uh, so because you would be providing benefit to your tax deferred dollars, the IRS considers this to be a, a prohibited transaction as well. Um, so what, hap- what needs to happen in a retirement account is all income must be passive, which is a reason I consider multifamily to be a great option for it because you know, as, as a limited partner in a multifamily investment, you, it, all income, it's just rental income, it's, it's passive. So uh, it keeps it pretty simple in what you can and can't do. Um, but as I mentioned, so you can get involved really with yourself. That's what's called a disqualified person. Disqualified person, number one, is you. Uh, you can't interact with it at all. There are a few other disqualified people that you need to take into uh, consideration. So you can't invest with your, anyone in a linear, um, linear ascendance, like your parents and your grandparents, and you can't invest with uh, any linear descendants like your children, your grandchildren, and unfortunately, this includes, uh, includes spouses at really at any level. So your own spouse or your, um, you know, your daughter-in-law, your parent, your, your um, your mother-in-law or anything like that. So the nice thing is you can actually um, invest with your brothers and sisters, your aunts, uncles, and cousins, and things like that. Um, but as long as someone is investing in a, even if it's in the same deal, as long as they're using cash, you cannot go in with a retirement account. Uh, so there's, there's some restrictions on what you can do there, unfortunately. The nice thing is, and the thing that I found out, and that not a lot of people really advertise, because think about it this way. If your retirement account is another person, let's say your spouse, your spouse is a disqualified person, but their retirement account is another person as well. And that retirement account is not a disqualified person. Mm -hmm. So if you want to mix retirement accounts with any person who would be disqualified, as long as you're using just retirement funds, it's perfectly uh, legal. It's perfectly allowed. This is what I do with my family. We have a holding company and we put all of our retirement accounts together and we invest this way. Um, you don't have to use it in a holding company. You can invest separately. But the nice thing is with a holding company, if let's say investment minimums are $75,000 and I'm investing with my two sisters, we can each put in $25,000 and uh, come in at a lower personal level and keep our uh, portfolios diversified um, across different uh, markets, different asset classes, across different deals. So it keeps your options open. Uh, It's a nice way to get around disqualified persons. Um, Just keep in mind, always keep retirement accounts together. You can never really mix retirement accounts with cash funds. Yeah, I think those are some some great great points there, and uh, I think that uh, you know there's a, there's a lot to take away, and I can see why this could be somewhat confusing, you know, to some people. But uh, um, I do want to touch on one thing that you mentioned before with the solo 401k, and just to clarify for our listeners, you know, you said you basically to qualify for this, you have to have some sort of uh, self employment income, right? So, uh, and some people I've talked to, there's there's some com- not necessarily confusion, but they want to know what that looks like. Do they need to be fully self employed, or can it be just a little bit of self employment? Just kind of an idea of what it needs what it takes to kind of you know, be able to qualify for that. Yeah. So the, uh, the qualification there is pretty low. Um, you need to have, you need to just basically show self-employment income. So I like to say you can do a garage sale. Uh, you can you know, sell arts and crafts on Etsy as long as it's coming in as self-employment income. And I believe the threshold is something like $400 per year. Okay. Um, you can have the account open. Uh, the thing I should note is if you're going to be going through the effort of generating self-employment income to open up a solo 401k, um, there are some legal processes you have to go through, but also at the same time, you need to have self-employment income for every year the account is open. So if the account is open for, let's say, three or four years, and then you don't have a year with any self-employment income, within 12 months, you have to roll that account back into an IRA. So 
uh, just be cognizant of that and always stay on top of it. If you are trying to generate some self-employment income to keep the account open, uh, you can get burned that way. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. Go ahead, it's pretty interesting. I, I think it's uh, like, what do you think it is that uh, like, you know, how does that open up? Like I can't invest with my dad, but I can invest with my uncle. Like I don't understand like the, the linear pattern of this, especially if my dad being a different per, uh, if his retirement is a different person than he, it just, it's definitely yeah. confusing, but it's. Yeah. So I, I've been thinking about this a bit because I've been asked why they do this. And I realized, uh, let's say you own a rental and you say, Hey, look, I want to rent to my, my dad. Uh, let's say market rents a thousand dollars. Your dad may give you $5,000 a month. And that's a great way to funnel some money into your IRA. Uh, so they look down upon that. They don't, they, they don't want that situation to happen. So, uh, they, because people really, really close to you might, you know, want to, uh, provide an advantage to your IRA and help you stuff yeah. money into your account. That's kind of where they draw the line because their retirement account can't benefit from them. Uh, there's no real issue with, you know, you can't rent to them and rent to their retirement account or anything like that. So there's no restriction there. That's interesting. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, a lot of great stuff there. And I want to, I want to touch on something else before, you know, we get, run out of time here, but you know, there's something no, you know, taxes and stuff that come with these certain different accounts. You know, we want to touch on that. I know we talked a little bit about it before. So let's dive into the mysterious UDFI and UBIT. There's a lot of stuff out there and we've talked to a lot of different investors and there's a lot of conflicting information here from different people. Yeah. Maybe it's just a misunderstanding or, you know, anything like that. But let's just dive into, you know, what UDFI and UBIT are and, you know, the impact that has on potential investors and how to minimize that. Yeah, let's do it. It's, um, it's, 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 I'll keep it pretty simple. So when you take a self-directed IRA and you invest in a leveraged property, uh, let's say it's like a multifamily uh, property, anytime you bring in leverage, there's going to be a thing called unrelated debt financed income, UDFI. So what that means is um, when they created the IRA, they wanted to benefit, they wanted you to sock money away for your future, for your future self. And so they they tax deferred those dollars. So if you're bringing in outside leverage dollars from a bank, let's say you're putting a 75% deposit or um, you're getting leverage at 75%, 75% uh, of the money and the income that's coming in is a direct benefit of that outside leverage. So non-tax deferred dollars. So your tax deferred dollars are benefiting from non-tax deferred dollars and they're okay with this. They just say you need to pay a tax on it uh, just as you would if you had cash funds in the, in the deal. So that's UDFI. Now, the nice thing is because let's say, let's say we have 25% equity in the deal. Any equity that you have in the deal is not taxed. Um, any income that comes from that equity is not taxed. The leverage portion, like I mentioned, gets taxed, but at the same time, it can actually make use of that same leverage portion of losses like depreciation, operating expenses, interest expenses, things like that. Um, so in the first year, let's say if it's 75%, you do get taxed on 75%, but you can use 75% of all the depreciation. And so the nice thing is it tends to offset things uh, for a few years. So I actually built, uh, I believe the industry's first UBIT calculator. So the taxes that come from it are unrelated business income tax. So you earn UDFI and you pay UBIT. And so I wanted, there's a lot of confusion out there. People say like UBIT is going to destroy your returns. It's, it's, you know, prohibitive. Don't, get involved in a leveraged asset. So I got tired of, of hearing this without any numbers behind it, built a calculator um, and found that what happens is because you can have these losses that offset your income for the first three to four years in most multifamily um, investments, you actually don't see any uh, taxes. Uh, it gets offset completely. So 
you know, you, your cash flow for the first three or four years is pretty, um, pretty solid. Uh, what happens is that the time you end up paying the most taxes is when you pay or uh, when you earn capital gains. Um, at that point, that's when you start to see larger tax bills. Uh, and so what I've seen is, let's say a multifamily property, a lot of them try to just generically, they try to double your money in, in five, five years. You know, that's, so that works out to a 20% return. Um, what we've seen on a deal of that size is three to 4% annually is what you lose. So you're going to look at somewhere between 16 and 17% returns. Uh, so it's, it's, it's still up to you. You know, what I do is I provide all of my investors, uh, when we have a new opportunity, I provide them with a UBIT calculator. So not only am I providing the, uh, anticipated returns, but also the anticipated taxes they'll have to pay if they use a self-directed IRA. Um, and if, if you want to not deal with uh, the UBIT taxes, you can go elsewhere. But if you think 16 to 17% uh, on a deal like that is good, then you can go down that path. It's not always the same, but um, there is what we've seen is somewhere between three and 4% annual loss uh, when you have to pay UBIT. That's uh yeah, that's a great information. So in terms of, you know, paying that UBIT, you know, and incurring, you know, the UDFI and then having to pay the UBIT, does that apply to the both accounts that we, that we spoke on earlier, both uh, the self-directed IRA and the solo 401k? Yeah. So the solo 401k for whatever reason is completely absolved of all of this stuff. Uh, wow. They don't have to deal with UDFI or UBIT. You can invest in the 99% leveraged asset and never have to pay taxes at all. Um, so that's nice. So that's why I call it the Holy grail. If you can get yourself and your, your, uh, current account into a solo 401k and you're doing multifamily, it's totally worth it, um, to go down that path. Um, but if you're stuck in an IRA, like I am, I only have Roth accounts and inherited accounts. So I am inherently locked into self-directed IRAs. Uh, I, I think it's still a worthy investment. It, the nice thing is you don't actually have to pay the taxes yourself uh, because remember your retirement account can't benefit from you. The taxes only come out of any income you do make. So the more you make, the more taxes you you know have to pay like any other situation. But uh, it's not like you're going to have a situation where you earn money um, or you, you don't have any money to pay out the taxes. So it comes directly out of the IRA. Um, one thing to keep in mind, I should say, is let's say you the, the, the deal sells in July uh, and tax day isn't until the next April. Um, if you go and take those capital gains and you put 100% of them in the next deal, come tax day, you're not going to have any funds left to pay the taxes. So you need to make sure that you kind of work with your CPA and are aware of what's going to be anticipated for tax day and work with them uh, to have a plan. Uh, but you generally should have a plan anyways, and just make sure you leave some, you know, set aside for you. But yeah, I think those are some great tips right there. And, and I appreciate you clarifying that because I've seen, you know, talking with other people and even reading some stuff, uh, you know, on the internet, some blogs and stuff. There's a little bit of confusion about UBIT and UDFI. So uh, you clarifying that is uh, greatly appreciated. And, and to be completely honest with you, I think I could probably just sit here with you and talk about this all day just because there's so much information and uh, so much to learn about it. But, you know, we're kind of running low on time here. It's been a great conversation. But, you know, before we actually do run out of time, we want to shine the spotlight on you. So tell us what you have going on, Josh. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as I mentioned, my website, walltomain.com, it's it's essentially a learning portal for you. Um, I provide, at the same time I provide investments, uh, I'm a multifamily operator. And so I, I try to find investments that are well-tuned towards retirement accounts. Um, and, but at the same time, I also provide free learning, uh, whether it's videos or uh, just some, you know, text-based um, lessons. Uh, I, the, the retirement section, if you want to learn everything there is to know in this, and we covered most of it, to be honest. But if you want to go through everything, the videos come down to 30 minutes. 
can set aside some time for the next episode of TV you're going to watch uh, and watch this instead, you'll be an expert. Uh, you're going to have everything you need to know. So um, if you're looking for more information, it's there. Uh, at the, I'm also offering uh, a free PDF for the top 10 tips and tricks when investing in multifamily with your retirement account. So uh, if you, you know, if you have any interest in some extra tools and things that you, you might want to kind of take advantage of um, for if you're going down this path with a retirement account, um, you can, you can check out the site and it'll it'll be a a good resource for you. Yeah, that's uh, we really appreciate that. And we got to definitely encourage all of our listeners to go to Waldeman, check out this website. And I'm just here to tell you right now, it is stacked full of great information, man. We found this so beneficial just in our personal lives and you know, our business lives, investing, stuff like that. Um, We cannot recommend this site enough. You've done an excellent job over there. So thank you for that for sure. And also, um, is there anything else you want to say about your UBIT calculator? Just if anybody wants to go in and check that out. Yeah, uh, on the header of the site, you can kind of see an example of what the UBIT calculator looks like. I run through a um, you know a deal that we closed on last year and, and show you kind of what the expected re- return would be for, or result would be for if you were an investor and you, you saw what you know what we're, we're handing out to our investors. Um, you can kind of take a look at, at what uh, we pump out for that. Amazing. Yeah, that's perfect. So, how can our listeners get a hold of you if they want to find out more? Yeah, uh, you can get a hold of me at josh at waltomain.com or uh, you know any. Um, social media page that has, uh, you know, wall to main on it. So perfect, man. We'll make sure to link to all that in the show notes. Um, uh, cause it's a lot of powerful stuff in there and that website is, uh, it's really great, but, uh, you know, Thanks. it's been, it's been great having you on the show, Josh. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. Uh, so that's pretty much all we have for today. And so to our listeners, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. Head over to iTunes to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, we really appreciate you leaving a rating and written review. If you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear on the show, connect with us on social media or through our website at twosmartassets.com. We look forward to speaking to each and every one of you. Talk to you soon.